My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer is David Bax. Hello. Hello. It's, it How was nice having been your podcast producer all these times. I'm not this firing is my, you. This is my farewell episode. I'm not firing you. <laughs> like, seriously. Seriously. I love you, David. And trust me. I mean, I screw up so many times, and it's not even a big deal. So Yeah, we did. We we. Yeah, found an easy. Solution. Yeah, we found a solution. But but what we're talking about is is uh, I had emailed David and said, "Hey, can you do this one thing?" And then he like forgot. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, I responded in the moment. I said, "Sure, of course, no problem." You know, I'm and sitting then here promptly forgot about it with a guest, San Francisco <laughs> Teresa, who is the result of one of my most gigantic screw ups. Turned good. This is San Francisco <laughs> Teresa. Just to remind people, she was the Teresa that I picked up at the airport having had an email conversation with an entirely <laughs> different Teresa who is actually somebody David knows very very well mm-hmm. and uh, and I came to the airport and went who are you and she was like I'm <laughs> Teresa and the 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 good part of this uh, the good part of my big screw up is that uh, I got I got a great deal out of it because San Francisco <laughs> Teresa ended up becoming our roving reporter. Yes. Um, she has journalistic experience. She has uh, producing experience. And you have created some some packages for us. Yes. R- randomly. You know, you did uh, scre- Scream? Screech Fest? Uh, sc- Shriek fast. Shriek fast. Yes. That's screech fast. That's nice. <laughs> Screech fast. Screech. All, all dust and that's, yeah. that's nice. That sounds fun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and you did uh, the Great American Pitch Fast. Yes. Oh, that's right. She was the person who went in that's and right. replaced yeah. us last year. That's right. So the, my getting fired now is just the culmination of a small, <laughs> really? slow, gradual firing. It's all. It's on all on Teresa. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and what else? Oh, just did an interview with Phil Tippett. Yes. Um, so. You know, we. I just feel very lucky that that you came into my life through this happy I feel, accident. I feel lucky too. Thank you. <laughs> and um, Teresa recently went to the Tribeca Film Festival and to the Silent Film Festival. Yes. And uh, did a bunch of interviews and brought some clips directly to the studio that we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. so that people can sort of feel like they're they're inside of these film festivals. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have you ever been to Tribeca, David? Uh, no, I've. I mean, I've. Uh, yeah, no. I, I'm, I've never been to either the neighborhood or the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you have ever hung out with Robert De Niro? No. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Just all right. Not, yeah. Okay, but not just to have been to his film festival. No, we we uh, our, our family's vacation into the ride together. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Tribeca is one of those film festivals that people just randomly throw out there, like, "Oh, it's a Tribeca," or "My film made it to Tribeca," or "Have you seen this Tribeca film?" what is it really and why does it have all this cachet? Well, I don't, 
I don't know why, but it it's really casual and really fun. Like the vibe there is different from any other film festival that I went to, and so I mean you could just walk up, walk right up to the directors and the writers and the the filmmakers, and they're just happy to talk to you. And I mean, and they're not all you know people making their first film. These are big celebrities that you can just walk right up to. Wow. It's amazing. Wow. And what what are the kind of films that are there? Is it all ind- independent? Um, you said they're not people making their first films, mm-hmm. but there's definitely an independent spirit to all of the films, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I mean, they have different categories. There's, you know, of course, the student category, and then there's other genres. They kind of group them together um, by genre or likeness or topic, things like that. But um, there's there's all, all types. All and types. what was... What was uh, your schedule personally? Did you see as many films as you could? Um, well, it was half vacation, half just doing what I do. Because <laughs> I guess I'm a journalist and it just comes out naturally. So I went there with my cousin and a friend. And um, I kind of dragged them. Tribeca was my thing to do. We all kind of had our things that we wanted to do when we went to New York City. So <laughs> I dragged them to all these different films as many as I could. I didn't see as many as I wanted to, but we um, I took him to the shorts program because that's a great way to see a lot of films in a short amount of time and only play one entry fee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, and that actually ended up being my favorite part was the short the short films. Um, and then we saw a documentary and then we even saw like a panel of um, other documentarians speaking so and speaking about their experience so it was, it was great now um, there were celebrities there yes. and one celebrity interview you happened to catch yes was Whoopi Goldberg yes right? I did <laughs> <laughs> she had made a documentary about a comedian um, whose name was Moms Mabley and um, I, I think some people should be familiar with her she was popular before I was born I think it was the 50s that was way before you were born. Yeah. <laughs> that was even before I was born. <laughs> but, you know, she um, just found this comedian, put together what she could. She had very little clips to deal with. And um, I was watching the documentary, and then she was there. I didn't know she was going to be there. But she came out, and she talked about her experience, and then she started talking about, you know, making a documentary. And this was, I guess, her first documentary, even though she's this, you know, actor great actor experienced person this is her first time i guess behind the camera um so it was pretty exciting to hear her experience because i know so many people who have tried to make their own film and it's not easy it's hard yeah 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 should we hear a little bit of it yeah this is her talking about her experience making her movie there are too many uh There's too much shit to do to put it up for You know what I mean? Because look, you have to show it in New York, in LA, you gotta get four people to do uh, reviews of it. I, I don't understand how documentary filmmakers, again, I have to take my hat off to them. I don't understand how they get anything made. And if they want to put it up for Academy consideration, it, you have to pay for the theater. So if you don't have any money to start with and you've been doing this guerrilla style, you know, you're screwed. It, it's terrible. It's terrible. I, I, I'm so glad HBO is in because most of the documentaries, I think, would never be seen if not for HBO. Not just because of that. Okay, so in that clip, she was talking about how HBO is going to be um, distributing her, her documentary. You, you will see her 
documentary called I Got Something to Tell You on HBO soon. That's and it's interesting that she also mentioned the money. Yes. You know, she clearly has a little money to play with. And uh, and and that idea of like, yeah, commercially, it's it's not going to make you tons. Mm -hmm. You're going to spend some money on it. Um, When you go to these film festivals, occasionally you do talk to documentary people and being in the in the journalism world. um, Do you have any experience with with why people make documentaries? And do you think it's for the love of it? And do you or do you think that there's a way not to spend tons of money? Just curious. Um, I do think there's a way not to spend tons of money. And I do think people do it because they love it. Um, Production equipment is so cheap. I mean, you can get just a little camcorder, like a HD camcorder for less than $100. I have a little a little playback. It's called a playback sport. I bought it at Walmart <laughs> for less than $100. It takes HD video um, and it records decent sound. I mean, it won't be the most beautiful looking documentary, but I mean, you can get started that way. Um, and then you just buy a, a um, an SD card, which records your footage. There's no more tape anymore. It's all digital. So, And you can use that again and again. So it's really cheap. And it's easy to do. And if you have the dedication to follow your subject and to find that story, then you're good. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So maybe Whoopi should call you up. Yeah. <laughs> maybe get a little advice. Yeah. Whoopi, we got a way for you. No problem. No problem. Um, so you also got a chance to talk to some of the the filmmakers that mm-hmm. that made movies that you like. Yes. Um, which, which filmmaker do you want to talk about first, David or Cor- Cody? Um, well, I think, David is a little more exciting. Um, David Schlessel. David Schlessel. And he was the writer and director of Set Up Punch. Yes. And it was a comedy short starring Elijah Wood as a stand-up. Yes, which was pretty unusual to see because you're so used to seeing him in dramatic situations. And yet here he is on stage. And and he gave a very earnest performance. He was great. He was I, absolutely great. I have to be honest with you. Elijah Wood is the last person I'd cast as a stand-up. So this is probably... <laughs> you, could you see it, David? I don't know. I don't know. He's like, you know, pale and weird looking. Oh, that's so true. So like the kind of person who might have become a stand-up. Right. That is a, <laughs> such a good point. What? Of course. <laughs> but he also elicits sympathy. Like, he has huge, big blue eyes, and you feel so sorry for him. Aww. At least I felt sorry for him. <laughs> okay. So this is... Um, this is David uh, David Schlessel and um, so this is immediately after the screening of his film and I didn't realize it but Elijah Wood was obviously in, obviously in the audience and as I was talking to David Elijah Wood pops up out of nowhere so you'll actually hear that in this oh cool <laughs> yeah uh, it's about a it's called Set Up Punch it's about a stand up comedian who uh, tries something really daring on stage and then uh, has to deal with the repercussions of that True story that I, I, yeah, I used to do stand-up comedy, and it happened to me on stage, and it was it was pretty intense. And so you chose to write about it. Like, how long did it take you to write it? Um, the well, the sh- the it, it was the beginning of a long, longer script, and I realized that the first twenty pages were really good and ready to go. So it took, you know, those first twenty were pretty quick. Like I, I'd experienced it, so it was easy to write. And are you planning on turning it into a full length? We hope. We don't know yet. We hope. I'm going to run, get the record, yeah. and meet you, you there. at the restaurant. Awesome. Love you. Congratulations. Love you too. Um, so, uh, 
Where were we? <laughs> Are you planning on turning that? Yeah, I hope so. I certainly hope so. Yeah. So, is this the first time you premiered it? Yes, this is the first time uh, it was shown b above an audience of four. Like, so it was terrifying to write jokes and then see them if they would work in a theater, and then it was terrifying. <laughs> How do you think the audience uh, liked it? It went just like the film did, which was really wild to experience. It, the, they, people laughed as the film went, and it really was a, a, a cathartic experience for me, um, as opposed to throwing up, which I thought I was going to do. Was this your first film? Like, this is my first short film, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've done some music videos, but this is my first narrative film. It's very exciting. So what was the most challenging part about writing this? Uh, Getting someone to read it, you know, uh, and then once Elijah read it and agreed to do it, I was very blessed and lucky. So uh, I love uh, writing's terrible. Writing's horrible. Are you a writer? It's terrible. It's a struggle every day. So um, there, yeah, the hardest part. No, I wrote it myself. Yeah, worked on the jokes myself. It was yeah. What's your advice uh, to other writers who are having difficulty writing? You know what? I'll tell you something. I just changed my life by I started getting up at 4:30 in the morning and writing for three hours before my kids have to go to school, and it's changed my life. So find the time that works best for you, that you feel most creative, and do that every day. Wonderful advice. Find the time that works best for you and do that every day. Getting up at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> now, not everybody can do that, but but you know when he said that was a life changer for him. Just yeah. being able to sort of reserve that time. What great information. Yeah, and you're nice and fresh in the morning. Well, some people are, <laughs> so, or sometimes it's the only thing you're capable of. Yeah. You know, like if I can sort of have that cup of coffee in the morning and nobody's around it's mm -hmm. just like you can focus for a second sort of I don't know I am not a morning person no, no. <laughs> but then you could write in you know three hours later into the night you yes know? and I have done that with writing movie reviews definitely yeah. been writing movie reviews at 1.30 or 2 in the morning <laughs> I also thought what he said about if you're writing a movie about a stand up that your stand up has to be good I hadn't thought of that was it, were the jokes in it funny hilarious yeah <laughs> yes um i'm not sure Rose, you'll be able to see this film but it's called set up punch and it may be in other um festivals if it is you should definitely go see it it's really funny and elijah wood is great as a stand-up i mean he delivers the jokes perfectly when you saw him come <laughs> in and interview interrupt the interview were you like wait wait yeah. <laughs> I might have a question or two for you. That's, that's a tough one. Like, you stayed focused. You were like, that's cool, you know? Well, Big celebrity comes in. That's about, I'm, notes, I'm all about you. Your notes here say that his eyes are ridiculously blue. They <laughs> are, because they are. They're huge and they are ridiculous. Like, if I was to name a color, I would name it ridiculously blue. <laughs> because they were. But I did stay focused because I consider you know, my part as the roving reporter to be for those people who are first time filmmakers or student filmmakers. So I was really focused on, on David Schlussel. So I, I, <laughs> I was wondering too, um, you had mentioned going to see shorts, right? Because you see a lot of content, you pay one fee now on the, the creative end for somebody who actually makes a short. Do you think that there's real opportunities at these festivals as, as far as, you know, getting noticed and, and what do you think some of those opportunities are? Um, I don't know all the details, but I 
think that once you enter a festival, that festival will support you and help you find distribution or whatever your next step is. Um, I think that's actually how they advertise or they they um, speak to the filmmakers at the Tribeca Film Festival. Like when you submit a film, like they, they say that we will help you find that next step, whatever it is. Some people like will be it'll be distribution. Other people, it'll be maybe more workshops mm-hmm. or, uh, or helping you meet people who can make your film happen and blow up. <laughs> well, you had another filmmaker that you interviewed yes. at Tribeca, and this is Cody Snyder. Yes, and he is hilarious. He is the director and writer of Fool's Day, and this is also a comedy short. Mm-hmm. Um, and you put in parentheses, teacher's head explodes. <laughs> That's interesting. Yes, because that happened in the film, and when that happened, like my mouth dropped, and I think everybody else's mouth dropped. I mean, it, it wasn't; it was no small explosion. It was like a huge explosion. And it's hard to do special effects in a short. Yeah, if you're an independent filmmaker oh, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, we should mention that Cody Cody Snyder's dad is D Snyder, who was oh. there. Oh, really? The, yeah. So that was. <laughs> Oh my god! Was he looking like D. Snyder? Or did not he like... in the film, but in the, in the theater, yes, he was, and he was also in the film as well. That's right. He made a, a little cameo. Oh, cool! Which is absolutely hilarious. Oh my god! But the real star were the kids who were featured in the film. They all did great jobs. It was so funny. Well, let's. Should we hear a little of Cody? Absolutely. Okay, let's go for it. Uh, so Fool's Day. All right, Fool's Day is a short film. It's a film. It's about a third grade class that accidentally kills their elementary school teacher, and they become so convinced they're all going to go to jail for it. They decide they got to hide. They're going to hide the body, but they got to do it before their uh, their officer shows up for his weekly lesson. And again, just briefly, how in the world did you come up with an idea like that? Uh, yeah. You know, people keep saying that to me. I mean, I, it's, it's weird. Cause, uh, you know, it's just you get an idea. You like it. You know, I see it in my head. If I like the movie, I project onto my forehead. Then I. I I want to go make it uh, and yeah it's the, I guess I would say uh, I, I you know whenever like I just said in the Q&A whenever you're wa- whenever you watch a movie that comes on TV that's really melodramatic and ultra serious and you want to just be funny if their head just blew off uh, that's pretty much right there it was just I wanted to take something uh, like the opposite I, I like contrast I believe it's the, it's the key to all great characters and good storytelling and I thought you know there's no more greater contrast than uh third grade class killing their teacher. I just want to do it in a lighthearted way. Too. And um, we're talking about tone, and it's like perfect. Like, who, you wrote this yourself? I co-wrote it with my brother. I directed it. I edited it. Um, How did you work on the tone? Like, it's like seamless. Like, uh, thanks. No, I appreciate it. Wow, that's really nice. <laughs> I mean, nice. that's a hard thing to do, you know? Um, you know, it's, it's really just like with all... Uh, yeah, uh, just like you know, people. It's all really you know directing. It's all instinct. It's all gut. Uh, you know. Uh, remember did you I, like have cold readings of it or? No, no, I did not at all. I I, I spent. I do a lot of rewrites. Um, and uh, and we couldn't even really afford enough uh, rehearsal space to really do a lot of rehearsals. But tonally, really, what creates the tone is the like the warm colors. It has like a high key lighting, like not too much shadows, and the music that like '70s funk music, uh, you know, creates a, a different feeling. And uh, and yes, I mean that's really where that where that kind of upbeat tone it just kind of never changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how long did it take you and your brother to write it? It took with rewrites. It took about it took about uh, I feel like eight months to a year. I mean, I do a lot of rewrites, uh, and but mostly it took that long. We probably wrote it to the point where it was good for like five months, but then it got to the point where 
you know, uh, short films, they need to be 15 minutes or shorter, really, to, you know, have luck with these film festivals. And it was like 35 pages, so most of the time we spent writing it was cutting it down, which is fine. It's just addition uh, by subtraction, and that's probably why the film's so tight or whatever. But uh, yeah, we work on the feature, though, and that's probably, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's probably have to write that in half the time, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Was this the first time you aired the, the movie here? The this is the world premiere, yeah. Wow. Uh, How so do you think it went? It went good. It went good. I just finished the movie. I shot, we were shooting, like, pretty much a year ago uh, today like you know we were just finishing production um, and I just finished the post on the film at the beginning of April uh, I I uh, you know I had a you know to make money stop and direct music videos so uh, I'm editing it so it just put it on hold you edit it too? yeah I, I edit all my work uh, so uh, yeah no I mean it, uh, completely the author of my work uh, so I mean but uh, that's brilliant uh, thanks yeah. thanks yeah no it's uh, I, I wish I could hire an editor it saved me a lot of time I just I'm such a perfectionist I'm so yeah. control for you did you go to film school? went to film school I went to the school of visual arts and uh, I went for a semester and then I uh, I, uh, I dropped out I got a I got a uh, I met director Adam Green. He did a movie called Frozen. Uh, he's a horror director. He does Hatchet movies. And uh, I asked him if I could. I said I dropped out of school to be his assistant, and uh, I did that. Came back and didn't want to go back. And I uh, ended up taking my, uh, convincing my parents to give me 15 grand of my tuition to make my first film, All That Remains, when I was 19, which is online. And uh, yeah, and then that was that. Finished that movie, started directing music videos professionally, and then made this, and yeah, next features, hopefully. It's incredible. So our podcast is targeted towards writers. Cool. What's your best advice for writers? My best advice to writers is there's three things that make every good story great uh, from the beginning of time, uh, which is one, it's someone who wants something and takes action to achieve it. The second thing is conflict, and the third thing is change, but I change that to growth uh, instead, but those are things that I wish someone told me very early on. It would have saved me a lot of uh, lackluster uh, projects. Uh, but yeah, and that's that's that's. Bad. I mean, I could I could go on. I mean, script writing is just the most beautiful thing in the world. I mean, once you really really know you you know really read a lot, study a lot, and you you start to realize like I don't know that just like good storytelling is like it's like the key to life. It's crazy. If I ever wrote a book, which I definitely won't, but it'd be called Movie Make. It'd be called film and the meaning of life because I, it's crazy I mean I know it sounds ridiculous and I probably shouldn't say that publicly but no I really do think stories like you know hold that in it but yeah yeah, yeah. excellent you did a great job hey. I love that movie thanks I really so appreciate original. it what a great interview that was I'm in love with that guy <laughs> yeah you know he was a lot of fun I love so Cody sweet. yeah oh my god come on the show Cody <laughs> um you know as far as writing tips goes this <laughs> The dude should write a book, and then I'll be in trouble. <laughs> um, but we've got goal, conflict, change. Goal, conflict, change was what he talked about, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, also, when he mentioned rewriting, addition by subtraction, and I thought that was that was a great little tip right there, <laughs> that he knew that it had to get down to under 15, and that that's more the sweet spot when it comes to, to writing shorts, which I, I think is uh, really valuable for people um uh did you did you happen to to notice whether timing mattered when you watched these shorts like uh, did you were you more responsive to the longer ones or did it just not matter when you were watching this um well as far as uh, you mean like different films i mean we only did see the short 
film. Yeah. The, the longer films that we saw were all documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, as far as the shorts went, I'm certainly they ranged probably from five minutes to 15. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, in Cody's, there was joke after joke after joke. It kind of bumped along along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as opposed to the Elijah Wood set up punch, um, that was a little more slow paced, mm-hmm. but he was telling jokes the whole time. But it was it was definitely more of a um, what's that word voyeuristic type of feel, mm-hmm. and so it, it did move slower because you're he's telling a joke to an audience in the movie, so you're looking at their reaction and them not having a reaction is kind of part of the film. So it, it was it was definitely different different timings. Also, I liked what he said about um, contrast, that that's a great place to find an idea. Contrast, right? Which is, I think he was saying, what if you killed your third grade teacher, right? Uh Which is the the contrast of what a third grade experience should be like. I hope. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. But what a just a great place to start just to think of that contrast. Yeah, and um, I was trying to uh, bring up, I I did bring up the issue of tone because, I mean, it's hard because they're kids and then someone's head explodes. And that's, but it's still a comedy. And like, you don't want to offend people, but. Let me say the way that the head exploded was so ridiculous. It was just so. So funny. it was funny. So it's just it so, so over funny. the top that you can't sit there and go, okay, this is just you know too much. Right? You know. How can you expose our children to this? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so anything that you want to add about Tribeca before we move on to the silent film festival? Um, if you can go, I mean, it's great to see any festival that has a short program. If you're trying to make film, if you're thinking about producing your own film, you should go to any festival <laughs> and see what other people are doing. I had so much fun last year when I was going to a couple of uh, film festivals and, and teaching there, uh, the San Jose uh, Film Festival, which is near you. Uh-huh. Uh, I was blown away by the quality of, yeah. of the work and it was an international film festival so it was, it was shorts from all over yeah. just seeing how much story people can accomplish in a short amount of time I wish there was more of a commercial venue mm-hmm. for short films yes I, I yeah. really wish that there was and let me just say I've been going to so many festivals for you and um, they are actually the films are better than in the movie theater Uh there are some of them that are just better so i really love going to festivals now it's a that's you know that's the rub right you have like these beautiful one films that really make their point and then it's up to a distributor like do they feel they can make money off of it and uh and that's always the tough part (laughs) always is um you know what? I think I think Battleship Pretension should go to Tribeca. That yeah. that has Battleship Pretension written all over it. Do you want to pay for it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I just make the suggestions. Um, so let's let's talk about the Silent Film Festival. Yes. And actually, that is I went to that last summer, and it's coming up again this summer. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why I decided to do a podcast on it is because it was so dynamic like it just hit me from left fields i had no idea when i when i went to the silent film festival that i would experience what i did i mean it was amazing and everybody should go to the silent film festival again if you can it's in san francisco it's awesome why did they call it the silent film festival 
because they're silent films from the 20s. For real. <laughs> For real. Okay. And they, but it's the whole experience because they have um, live music. So they have like an orchestra um, playing the music while you're watching the movie. And it's not just random. You know, they pick these movies. So, um, in fact, we have a clip um, oh. from Anita who talks about how they pick their movies. Um oh. So, Let's yeah. listen to it. Yeah. Well, you know, all all movie makers are, you know, there were really amazing techniques happening, especially at the end of the silent era. They were doing, you know, the language of cinema was written in those early days. And I think it's a, often a revelation for people to see how advanced and how exciting these films were in the beginning. Uh, the films that we choose have a lot of relevance. They're pieces of art that we, we have a motto that we say true art transcends time. And we believe that. And because we put it with music, and so every performance is a, a live cinema performance that, that, that speaks to audiences. And so the musicians that they pick, it's not just, you know, your your the classic, you know, there's violins and cellos. They actually had a band, um, if you can call it that, that had a, they were they were called Toykestra because all the instruments were actual toys. Like they had a little, you know, play saxophone and the little xylophones and like the zinger thingamajig. And I mean, they were great. And they performed, I believe it was um, Felix the Cat. Um, they had Saturday morning cartoons with the live music, and they just scored it right then and there, <laughs> and it was awesome. It was amazing. <laughs> what do you What do you think that a writer, okay, who's writing a contemporary piece, can learn from seeing silent movies from the twenties? Um, well, I think I have a clip actually from Paul McGann, who's an actor um, who has something uh, something about that. But um, let me. Uh, add to that yeah um, I think that um, it's still about story and you can't even though you're writing you have a visual story to tell so you can look take a look back at this and see how people told their stories with with visuals so I mean I think it's a visual experience that you're, you're we're always telling people I was always telling writers the best thing you can do is turn the sound down on your movie as you're writing. Mm -hmm. Because you, if you're not telling that story through pictures, you're not writing a good screenplay. Mm -hmm. And so this might be a, a great way to, to really bring that home to people. <laughs> so this, this guy, Paul McGann, mm -hmm. he is an English actor, and he was the eighth Doctor, he, <laughs> doctor Who. Do you know? He's the eighth Doctor. I know him from With Nail and I. Okay. Okay. All right. It was a great movie. And, uh, and so he was also in Alien 3 with Sigourney Weaver, Queen of the Damned, uh, with... Aaliyah. Aaliyah, yes. okay. And, uh, and as you said, uh, with, with Nail and I. Yes. And, uh, and that's a, a, a movie I should go see, right? Oh, my God. It's, it's one of the best... Have you seen it? I haven't. It's one of the funniest movies ever made. It's like uh, basically... Two guys go uh, to stay at their like uh, uh, their uncle's or one of the uncle's cabin and get drunk for a weekend, and it's just like two writers. They're writers. No, no, they're, they're actors. That's right. Um, and they just uh, basically get drunk, and it's a really dark 
really funny comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my last weekend, but okay. All right, that sounds good. Okay, I'll watch that. And this is Paul McGann talking. Now, now was he a presenter there, or was he just an audience member He there? was actually narrating, or has he says narrating, because he has an English accent. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a beautiful voice, by the way. But um, he narrated, I guess it was, uh, I did see it. It was a documentary, I think. They were just filming some guys on a ship. I forget where they were. Um, but I think it was might have been a Navy, a Swedish Navy thing. But he was actually reading the journals that corresponded with the video that we were watching. And it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Should, we, should we listen to it? Um, sure, yeah. Okay. Silence relevant. It's relevant because, you know, it's the, it's the beginning of everything. I'm always amazed, you know, every time I see another silent screening, you know, to think that with, even just within the first five years, ten years of the industry, there are already geniuses working. Full-length epics were being made. You know, you could be forgiven for thinking that, particularly when you're a kid, you know, silence, oh yeah, they're just those two real slapstick comedy things. No, no, within just a few years, full-length you know, um, complex novels, were, you know, versions of novels were being shot, epics were being made, two-hour epics. You know, there were three versions of Ben-Hur made in the 20s alone. I work as an actor, you know. I'm watching, it's fascinating to watch silent movie actors, and you see the kind of techniques being gradually over the 20s and into the 30s being sort of grounded and worked out. Um, some actors, are, they could easily walk onto a set in the present day they're sort of naturalistic and relaxed and, and others are more sort of expressionistic and a bit sort of big and jerky but it's fascinating to watch you know you see in the sort of beginnings of things I love it you're seeing the beginnings of things mm-hmm. I would like that man to narrate my whole life yes yes <laughs> tell me about some of the other people that you that you interviewed we have um, Robert Byrne and Angela Holm yes so Robert Byrne is actually the president of the San Francisco Film Festival and I asked him um, about uh, restoration um, uh, and he, he also about the relevance of, of silent film so um, he was comparing um, you know here he was enforcing the idea that this is an art form that is so precious because unlike digital film you know you couldn't make endless copies you know you you got what you have pretty much and so he's explaining the work that preservationists do okay let's listen they say there's less than 10 percent of all the silence ever made throughout that whole period 15 20 year period less than 10 percent has survived so what we have is kind of precious so spanish dancer is a good example of there is no complete film that exists you know, that's something we don't think about in the digital age either. These things were they, were, they were shot on film, they created negatives, you know, and these negatives, they made a finite number of prints, and those went out of the world, and that's it. And you know, they were junked, they were trashed, they deteriorated, and that's the end of it. There's not, it's not like people have made infinite more copies, like digital, than that they're all good. It was a really long, a cumbersome, challenging restoration project, but... Um I think to, to maybe describe what types of challenges exist in restoration that maybe people don't know about is um, really just getting gaining the trust of archives who own these artifacts that don't exist anywhere else in the world and are very careful with them as they should be. Um, so you have to really kind of 
massage that relationship for a long time and um, gaining the sponsorship of the Eastman House was really essential in that regard and also um, gaining the trust in working with Martin Kerber uh, who is a famous um, German film restorer who restored Metropolis among others so um, it's a funny story connected with that in that I was a student at the time when I decided to contact Martin I'd heard that he was um, the person who had known the most about this film so I, my friend David Ferguson and I were interested in getting the, start, the project started and so I just out of the blue wrote to him failed to mention that I was a student when I wrote to him and wrote from my Eastman House email address and uh, Martin uh, got the email and responded promptly and willing to cooperate immediately and I was just thrilled later after we talked and uh, gotten to become uh, friends he had told me that he probably wouldn't have given me the uh, time of day if he'd have known that I was a student. <laughs> so that was one of the kind of interesting, um, fortunate connections that were made. So, so that last um, soundbite that you heard was from Angela Holm, who restored Pandora's box. Um, and I, I wanted you guys to hear that because, um, you know, because I do feel like I represent the first-time filmmakers you know, she contacted somebody and she was just brave. And I think people should just be be brave and just, just try. Right. Why not try? And she said she got an immediate response. Yeah. Which is which is, <laughs> means that person was enthusiastic and was just waiting for somebody to ask. Yeah. So. And uh, um, you have down here... Um, uh, were there any writing tips that that people gave? I'm just, I'm just. Well, I asked Paul McGann from his perspective. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what does he, um, what does he look for in a screen in a screenplay? So, okay, he has a writing tip. All right. <laughs> Although I can discern, I've been doing it 30 years now. I can discern a good script from a bad one. Doesn't necessarily. I couldn't write one. I'm not a writer. I can see what you. Know, but even I can see, for example, that. You know, character delineation seems to be the first thing that, you know, if you're a writer, you would want to concentrate on. I've lost count of the scripts I've received and read where every character sounds like they come from the same mother and father. Idiomatically, everybody's the same. You know, yet I've worked on pictures where the scripts were so good you could have covered the left-hand margin and you would still know who was speaking. I know that sounds simple, but you'd be amazed. You know, it's like, I've worked on sets where directors have gone, you know that line uh, you're saying, don't you say it, you say it instead. And when, when you hear that, as an actor, your soul kind of sinks a little bit. You know, you don't trust the material all of a sudden. What, what an interesting point of view from an actor, and, and mind you, that is Doctor Who talking, so everybody listen, <laughs> that, you know... Hold on. Because you're going to get emails. Oh, right. Doctor Who is the name of the show. His name, he's just the doctor. He's just the doctor. His name is not Doctor Who. And, and not the current doctor. Let's, let's be very clear. Right, that's Matt right. Smith. Right. The, I'm just saying, I just saved you some angry emails. I am so glad because I don't want, I really don't want Doctor Who fans <laughs> writing me in an angry way. That, that's that's going to be nuts. Um, but, you know, but when he said character delineation and, and really being able to hear specific voices and covering up the names and still knowing who's talking, that's from an actor's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when he, when he mentioned 
if a director says, oh, you just say that line, that means that line wasn't specific to the character. Great advice. Really good. Uh, Anything else that you want to add or anything that we missed in in this discussion? Um, I just will say that um, the Silent Film Festival happens in San Francisco every summer. So check out their website, silentfilm.org. Excellent. You know, it's, it's been fun having you as San Francisco, Teresa, in San Francisco, because you have access to, to these different kinds of film festivals that we don't hear. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's been part of what's been fun having you as a ro- roving reporter. But you are now moving to Los Angeles. Yes. In... July, hopefully. Hopefully, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and San Francisco <laughs> Teresa is going to be looking for a job. That's right. If anybody has one to give her, you get in touch with me, okay? I'll hook there, you up. I think there's a producing position open on Pilar's show. Uh, <laughs> not fired. David is not fired. It's only two strikes. Just one more. Um, uh, also, I mean, I did put out to, to people um, a couple months ago about the idea of, of perhaps being a roving reporter in whatever city or country that you're in, um, if you have access to a film festival or a special guest that I don't, I'd love to get a show for you. Now, I'm not going to be able to have you on every week, have you in the studio at all. You know, uh, Teresa happened to be in town, so this was a a great way to do it. Um, And this would just be a a once in a while special thing. For anybody who's listening, it is still on the page. I'm still... It's still going to mainly be me. I got one letter. Somebody was a little crazy about that. (laughs) Okay. So don't worry about it. But just maybe an occasional package from somebody would be great. If someone wanted to do that, because people have been writing me and saying, what equipment should I Uh use? And they've gotten radio silence as I tried to figure out what the answer to that is. What, What would be sort of the best way to capture one of these film festivals? Any suggestions for equipment and any suggestions for how to send it to me? Sure. Um, so what I do, what I have is a digital audio recorder and um, it's called a Zoom and you don't have to get... I have one of those oh, too. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. And they make them in all, I mean, they all do different special sorts of things. And I mean, you can start low end. That's fine because all you're doing is recording audio. I happen to know some film guys, so I have one that you can put all kinds of inputs in (laughs) but you don't have to get that fancy anything that will record audio that you can stick in someone's face (laughs) will work (laughs) and the thing about a zoom is it's uh, multi-directional right so it's even though it looks like you sort of have to stay on it from one angle you don't it'll it'll take it in and and so i've been experimenting with with it with places i'm going i'm getting a little more bold with it (laughs) myself so if like a a techno phoebe like me can do it you guys can do it absolutely and then as far as um uh the file that they should send what Mm -hmm. should what kind of a file um well it makes a digital file if you're using a zoom or any other kind of digital audio recorder you would just simply put the card or take the card out and then plug it into your computer and then you have your file and you can send it off wherever depending on the size you can email it or you can just dropbox it or you send it whichever um, uh, file sharing system you use so I you know I would I would be interested in these packages from you guys definitely get in touch with me first just let me know like what you're thinking of doing so I can give it the okay and know that once you send it to me it could be a while till it's actually on the podcast we have to sort of figure out sort of the best timing for it poor 
Poor Teresa. She she recorded that Phil Tippett interview months <laughs> earlier when Twilight, the last Twilight movie, was about to come out, <laughs> and I, you know, it was crickets for a while. Um, so just know that it's it's you know it's a pretty casual kind of thing. But I would love to get get more roving reporters out there. And you have set the bar, San Francisco, <laughs> Teresa. So thank you. I thank appreciate you. it, uh, David. Thanks for for hope for being the podcast producer and you did a great job and I know that this will be an awesome podcast so don't worry about it it better be it's my last (laughs) (laughs) okay I'm not firing you but are you retiring (laughs) no I'm getting scared (laughs) don't go anywhere I need you okay okay all right cool Um, everybody go to onthepage.tv there's so much that's going on at the studio remember Chicago New York City me and Lee Jessup, we're going to be out there actually talking about the business side of stuff to help you move your projects forward. So go to onthepage.tv and check out a career class there. Um, I believe this is still going to come out before Great American Pitch Fest, so check that out as well. Um, There's going to be all kinds of classes that will be running over the summer, including my very first six-week online class with video classes la 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 so stay on the mailing list or get on the mailing list everybody so I can send you bulletins about when that's happening um, and David uh, where should people go to, to find out more about you uh, every, anything you would want to know about me um, <laughs> you can find uh, at battleshippretension.com that's where you find my podcast Battleship Pretension which is about movies my TV podcasts previously on and Hey Watch This with Paul and David which is me and King of TV, King of TV Paul Goble that's at battleshippretension.com all my reviews are at battleshippretension.com and then I am on Twitter at The Pretension and San Francisco Teresa. <laughs> well, I did start a Twitter. I'm not on it that much, but I'm trying to do more. So I'm at SF Teresa. And that <laughs> Teresa is T E R I S A. SF Teresa. I love the fact that you are now really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, can I go around naming more people? I'd is that like name to do that. Stick after, after you move here? After I move to LA? I don't know. I mean, yeah. It's your Twitter handle. Right? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Let's go for it. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Everybody, um, attend a, a film festival. There's, you know, you can, you can see some great films. You can be in an artistic community. It is an amazing feeling when you're in the middle of one of these things. Even as an audience member, you will um, make connections and you'll have a wonderful time. So I urge you to go to any film festival in Uh, your area. Los Angeles Film Festival is like three weeks away. I think it starts on June 13th. Wonderful. July is Outfest, which is my maybe one of my favorite film festivals in Los Angeles, the uh, Gay and Lesbian Film Festival. Cool. So if you if you go, um, you might run into David Bax there. So <laughs> yeah. you might have a, a celebrity experience. <laughs> and everybody out there, also remember the story, the writing comes first. So have a good writing week. 